Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of from the tips it is me your boy brian always joined by my fantastic co-host rick landis we are a new and improved brian and rick because we are now officially spartans um i'm not going to be doing the uh uh aru thing because that was super cringy when they made us do that before we started yeah, a little bit a little bit but hey we did that we did the spartan 5k on uh mount vernon and uh i i think we're better for it How's how are you feeling today? I'm my back is incredibly sore yeah. because I had to bear crawl up that mountain. Um yeah, at one point. Yes, dude, I just couldn't get traction. It was horrible. Uh so but yeah, I mean my back's killing me, but besides that, I feel pretty good. I'm gonna get back out. Um probably go for a small run tomorrow and kind of try to loosen up a little bit. Um but besides that, not too bad. Uh, I don't have as many cuts and stuff as you do. I got some little ones, but but you got a pretty nasty bruiser on your leg right now. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, it, it's, it's funny how it how it happened. So I was we were bear crawling under some some barbed wire, which is it's funny because they started the event that way prior to getting to the start line. That's they made you do two obstacles before you got to the start line. Just feels like really try hard to me. But hey, whatever. <laughs> um, it, and. We were doing the one in the middle of the race and I was moving pretty, pretty good. Everything was going swimmingly. We were halfway down. And then because of the mud and the water, for those of you that live in the Northeast, you know, it hasn't stopped raining um, since Thursday. It stopped finally today, but since Thursday, it's been raining. Yeah. Um, and this was yesterday. So it was just the end of all this rain. I, so I was moving. I sneezed. Apparently the sneeze dislodged me from where I was and I just immediately started sliding because this thing was like on an angle because it's on the side of a hill and my leg just slid over this flat rock that was just below the um the mud and oh. my shin just tore it off like sandpaper it looks like I attacked my shin with a weed whacker but uh you know it happens uh, I really didn't feel any pain until I showered when I got Fair. home yeah and I was like, oh, oh, what happened here? And I looked and I was like, oh, that's not going to be pretty tomorrow. But we got Neosporin on it. So, you know, we got the disinfectant, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to be fine. Um, but I had a blast. Um, I'm not too sore right now. Um, I did a good job of hydrating before the race, which I think has helped me. Yeah. Um, and so I feel pretty okay. Like I could definitely go to the gym tomorrow or, or Wednesday. Um, but uh, I'm definitely going to just check myself tomorrow to make sure that I could. Cause like I did so much stretching today just to make sure my legs didn't right. lock up. Yeah, there you go. Did you get any, did you get any uh, cramps in the middle of the race? I did not. Did I, no, I did. I got one. I got one in my calf for like a few yeah. seconds. Then it went away. I cramped up. For like at least five minutes during the uh, the the sandbag carry, oh yeah, on the inside part of my quad, Oof. I was all I was oh it was bad. I just stood there with the sandbag on my back. I was like, I'm just gonna wait for this one to pass. <laughs> We're just gonna wait for it because if I take a step right now, it's not gonna be pretty. 
Um, what, did you, now, what did you think the hardest obstacle was besides obviously the, the ones where we couldn't get a grip? The hardest obstacle, I think, like as far as um, mentally and physically for me was the 100 pound um, sandbag rope pull. Um, oh, okay. was the second to last obstacle. Uh-huh. I think because it was just coming off of the um, zigzag up and down mm-hmm. that hill where um, I've, I've, I think I fell four to five separate times because <laughs> of the mud. And I was just so mentally frustrated about it because I knew uh-huh. I could move faster. Um, that when we got to that obstacle, I was mentally drained, physically drained, and this thing was way heavier than I anticipated it on being. Um, but I got it done. And that was a really, the really nice moment for me mentally. Um, what about you? What did you think was the the hardest one for you? Um, I was, see, I was trying to think about it. I honestly, I'm trying to think. The hardest one might have been. I don't know because the ones that were hard were the ones I couldn't get grip. Like yeah, like the, the monkey bars, the rings. Yeah, those yeah, were the sandbag one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't struggle with too much, which I didn't think I would, I, and and it went it went okay for me. Um, even the other carries, I guess maybe the the round bag carry that we did, just because yeah. of the terrain that we had to go on. Oh my god! While we were carrying it, I guess would probably be the next one because like the one where we had to army crawl under the uh, under the, the barbed wire where you, you fucked your shin up. Right. Um, I just slid through that because I could. <laughs> like I crawled under it for a minute or two, and then I was like. You know, it's screw it. I'm just gonna slide, and I literally just grabbed and pulled myself through. Yeah, I mean that was definitely the strategy. Um, I ended up getting stuck behind a guy that was um not only moving himself but also moving his backpack in front of him. Uh-huh. So he he would oh, wait, yeah, yeah. And move think, his backpack and then yeah. his body, and then he That's got why caught. I started sliding. Uh, yeah, That's why I started was, sliding. I was like, I'm yeah. not, I can't be behind this guy anymore. I totally forgot about like the part where you could get caught on the barbed wire. So because the guy in front of me didn't move for at least like 30 to 45 seconds. And Derek was behind me and he was like, are you good? And I was like, yeah. Um, And I looked to see what the holdup was and his shorts were caught on the barbed wire. I was like, oh shit, I guess I'll help you with that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was definitely the, I think with a lot of the weighted walking situation so the sandbag carry the uh the stone carry etc i think i almost was i wouldn't say ignorant but i in this case ignorance was definitely bliss to the weight because uh-huh. of how focused you had to be on not falling over yeah definitely because the mud yeah um i felt like those were pretty pretty easy for me because it was basically work because mm-hmm. um, the bags of cement that we use are 80 pounds so like, right the, I think the ball was a hundred and the hardest part of that was just getting it out of the ground because it was like, yeah, that was just in the ground. <laughs> it was crazy. Cause people would just drop it. Yeah. Like, like rude. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> the guy. So when you see the guy before you just drop this thing into the mud, yeah, a hundred pound circle ball thing, yeah. you're like, what the fuck dude? Cause now I got to pull this thing out and I had to help. Uh, after you went and then after I went, while Derek was going, I helped the guy next to us. I saw get that the yeah. out of there because it, it was, was impossible. That thing yeah. was halfway into the ground. Yeah. 
For those of you that are going to do Spartans, which you should, or have done Spartans, don't be that person. Don't make the other person behind you's life harder than it has to be. Super fun, though. Glad we did it. Uh, definitely going to be doing it again. So, yeah. I mean, that uh, that was a blast. Uh, what's yeah. funny is that actually the conception of the whole idea of doing one came from this very podcast. It was at the... Yeah. It was right after the the new year. We talked about New Year's resolutions, quote unquote. Um, and we were like, we're going to do a Spartan. And lo and behold, we did it. And uh, now we've committed ourselves to trying to pull off the trifecta by age 35. Uh, as of right now, I am 26 years old. Rick is 25 years old. So we have about a decade. We've already done the 5K. I we think just we gotta can do get... it before 30. I think we might be able to. We 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 got the 5K down. We just got to do the 10K and then the 13.1 miler, um, which is the half marathon. I thinking about 13.1 miles of that right now sounds terrible, but uh, I think given time and perseverance, we could definitely get ourselves there. I really did feel like I could have probably kept going uh, if like we had to by the time that we wrapped up. Like, yeah, was I a little bit gassed? Sure. But I think because of the the way that you had to go about this specific Spartan, I wasn't as exhausted as I could have been. Because oh, yeah. Cardiovascular, I was so fine because we didn't run the whole time. You couldn't run. <laughs> if you tried to run, you wouldn't have moved from the spot yeah. you were in trying to go uphill if you tried to yeah. to start running. So it, it turned from like race to more of an intense hike with obstacles it was a muddy hike was what it was yeah. i mean this thing was this it was like monsoon type of type of getting yeah. uh getting a grip and stuff so um that was super fun though would we'll do again but we'll totally you know enjoy doing it again so that was super fun for those of you that haven't done it or have just thought about doing it just commit it's a good time um yeah. especially if you do the open categories because there's no judges there just um like on your case or anything like that. Everybody's pretty much there to help each other come finish up and stuff like that. But um, it's definitely a good time. Highly suggest doing it. Uh, but we'd be amiss if we didn't do our ad read for the episode. Go ahead and check out shankitgolf.com for all some, uh, for all your super cool golf needs. They got towels, they got ball markers, polos, sweatshirts, hats, you name it. They got it. Uh, at checkout, go ahead and use FTT15 for a 15% off of your order. Um, not only does that help you save money on your order, but also helps us a little bit, giving uh, some of us money um, so that we can bring you better content and bring you more content. So go ahead and check out shankitgolf.com. That is S-H-A-N-K-I-T golf.com. Go ahead and check it out and FTT15 at your checkout order. Uh, all righty, Rick, what today do we have in sports history? So I don't follow horse racing whatsoever. I don't know how you feel about it. Is Are you are you a, into the Kentucky Derby at all? No, I mean, it happens every year. Like, I'm, I'm aware of it. And, you know, sometimes I like to read the names because I find them funny. But I don't so watch it. Coming up because a I lot of the it. stuff on here is Kentucky Derby related. Um, there is other stuff, but... A lot of a lot of the dates on here show Kentucky Derby, so I was just curious if you knew anything about that. Oh, it is May sixth. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So, nineteen seventy on today, May second, nineteen seventy, we had the first woman jockey at the Kentucky Derby. Her name oh, was Diane Crump. Alrighty. Shout out Diane. <clears throat> Shout out to Diane. Lots and lots and lots of. 
Kentucky Derby. We got uh, the 1978 NFL Draft happened, and Earl Campbell was drafted by the Houston Oilers. Oh, Houston Oilers reference. Love that. Yeah, we love the old school teams. Uh, oh, here we go. 1988, for those O's fans out there, the Orioles signed a 15-year lease to remain in Baltimore and get a new park. I can't remember if that was the Angelos uh, family regime at that point or if that was the owners beforehand. Um, but yeah, that was uh, the contract that um, kicked into motion Camden Yards. If you haven't, if you live kind of near the Baltimore area, like we do in the suburbs of Philadelphia, if you have a chance, I highly suggest getting down to Camden Yards um, at, at, in Baltimore. It is one hell of a ballpark. Super cool. Um, and uh, brought uh, brought to be the kind of reimagining of ballparks and, and not like these circle donuts that kind of came to popularity in the sixties and seventies for multi-sport stadiums, but uh, had ballparks have some personality again. So that we got like parks like PNC park and Coors field in Colorado. And uh, uh, the one out in, uh, I forget what it's called, but the one out in San Francisco, Comerica park, I think it's gorgeous stuff. Um, we wouldn't have ballparks like that uh, if it weren't for the creation of Camden Yards. So, Baseball fans can thank the Baltimore Orioles for that one, funny enough. Yeah, so, uh, and then the last thing we got, um, if you really want to put things into perspective to figure out how old Tom Brady is, uh, John Elway announces his retirement in 1999. And for those keeping track, literally one year after this is when Tom Brady was drafted. So, if you think John Elway was a while ago, he was. Which he was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady played forever. Let's just. I just thought that. it was interesting because, uh, like, personally, I don't remember John Elway at all because I was three, two. I was two at the time that he retired, so right. I don't remember it. But Tom Brady, I know him because he's still playing. So old. Yes, uh, very very old. Uh, one of my one of my favorite like old athlete stats is um is the one where it's like uh let me see if I, yeah here we here we go um Nolan Ryan debuted in 1966 uh he pitched against Ernie Banks, Roger Maris and Willie Mays baseball fans will know those names DJ LeMahieu played in 125 games last year for the Yankees in his age 33 season both of them were major league teammates of Jamie Moyer <laughs> so that's that's how long Jamie Moyer played baseball for which is Absolutely ridiculous. If anybody ever finds the time to look up his baseball reference, uh, the numbers aren't going to shock you, but the amount of lines there are in his baseball reference of seasons <laughs> played is ridiculous. Uh, it's just, he played for so long, which is insanity because he was no offense, Jamie. He was never really that good. But he did uh, win a World Series game, and he is from our alma mater high school, so that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, 25 years in the major leagues, Jamie Moyer. Uh, good on you, Jamie. Uh, yes, I believe, yes, he does hold the major league record for most home runs given up. Now, I just, really, I think that's because of how long he played, okay? <laughs> Eventually, that's going to catch up to you. Um, but Now I'm curious. Hold on. Uh, in 2004, he did lead the league in uh, in home runs given up at 44. So that's that a tough year for you, old Jamie there. Um, but, you know, the, I love these uh, these these stats that we sometimes get of uh, 
like how old these people are. Uh, yeah. It's very funny to me. Um, yeah, there he is, Sellersville, Pennsylvania, baby, right outside of Telford. <laughs> um, all right, is that uh, is that all we got for uh, history as we have it? Uh, I'm checking something real quick because I'm curious. Ooh, you fact checking something? That's fun. No, not fact checking something. Uh, I was just curious. Because uh, obviously Tom Brady's been playing forever. Um, right. Recently retired Tom Brady. <laughs> recently retired Tom Brady. Um, and I, I'm not sure if this is up to date here. Um, I can't imagine it is. Either that or Tom Brady's just amazing. He's not even on the top 20 of this list. Um, or, oh, there he is. Uh, number 22. It's crazy. Um, most I was looking at most interceptions thrown ever. Um, do you know who number one is on the list? James Winston. <laughs> should be. <laughs> Probably higher than he should be. I was uh, going to no. say. No. <laughs> it's not James Winston? That is no. Most ever? You thought it was James Winston? I thought there was a chance, for sure. I mean, he did have 30 in one year, but... That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he really hasn't, like, started and played that long. Um, uh, so, was this quarterback around when I was alive? Yes. So, they were playing when I was alive. Um, ooh. AFC or NFC? Both. Okay, for most of their career. Yes. Okay. No, that's... So, okay, so is he was a journeyman then? Sure. I'll give you a hint. We're reliving it right now. Are we? Yeah. Oh, man. Reliving it right now. Is it Aaron Rodgers? We're reliving it through Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it says here that he has 336 career interceptions. Man. What was his touchdowns? Second place person is 277. So, very large. Oh, my God. Very large difference. <laughs> uh, How many touchdowns did he have? Um, well, let's find out. I'm Wasn't he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Did nobody check his interception numbers? <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we get passing touchdowns here? Um, I can't believe he threw that many interceptions and he was like, he was like a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. Everybody was like, "Yeah, he's like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time." Uh, five hundred and eight. Okay. All right. Yeah, that'll do it. More more touchdowns than interceptions, so that's good. <laughs> By a wide margin, I yeah, you know, but uh, oh, Brett Favre. Yeah, we are living reliving it right now. Except he didn't go to Minnesota. He didn't do that. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. It's true. He the went Favre to the Jets first. To... He went to the Jets first, and then two years later, he went. He went to Minnesota. And you want to know what? I could see Aaron doing it because of how passionately he loves beating up on the Bears. I could see him doing it it because of how petty he is. He's so petty. The fact that he took Brett Favre's job, I feel like him taking his entire storyline would just be poetic for Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) It would be spectacular for Aaron Rodgers, mostly because he's pretty close with Pat McAfee in that show. I think he still goes on every week. Yeah. Um. And Pat McAfee is currently getting sued by Brett Favre. So yeah. the the pettiness has layers. And if there's one thing to know about Aaron Rodgers is he's maybe one of the pettiest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome if that happens, if he goes and plays in Minnesota. Because the ba- you know Bears fans will be like, no, please, stop. I he can't keep his- having this happen. Notably, he did cut his hair, though. So he looks like 
previous Aaron Rodgers before he went psycho psychedelic crazy. Right. Yeah. So the league should probably be on watch because he has Garrett Wilson as his number one receiver now. So yeah, remember, remember Garrett Wilson's going to make his life hell at practice every day. So there's going to be a lot of good. No, Zach Wilson's going to make his life hell at practice every day. Oh yeah. Who who are we talking about? Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, right? Yeah. Um, all righty. Well, let's move on forward to the golf that was had. We had the Mexico Open at Vidanta. And uh, look at the winner here, Tony Finau, getting it done at the Mexico Open. This is now his um, first of 2023, but his fifth, fourth? Let me see here. Um, career win? I think it's his fifth career win. Uh. I would while you're looking that up, I'd just like to point out that we totally called this. Um, we did. We we said that it was going to be John Rom or Tony Finau. I think we said it was probably going to be John Rom, but we said Tony Finau was also a very good option for this, and it was obvious. But sometimes you got to go with the obvious pick. Sometimes the obvious pick's the right pick. I feel like we 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 have to we have to talk about this. Um, yeah, this is going to be his fifth win since the end of 2021. And remember, ever since the conception of this podcast, at least, uh, we've talked about almost at length that Tony Finau has everything that you could need to win on the PGA Tour except for, and for lack of a better term, that dog, right? Does he have the winning mentality? He has all the intangibles. He just can't seem to get the win. Remember, it felt like, I think it was like, it felt like three months in a row. He just came in second place all the time. Yeah, He was right there every time and just came in second place. Now... He's got he's got something cooking here. Let's not forget last year he won back to back at the 3M and the Rocket Mortgage. So we have a newly confident Tony Finau, um, which is super cool because of how great of a guy he is. He's he's such a great guy that in fact, after he won on Sunday at the Mexico Open, he caddied for his kids on the course after the fact. His kids went out and played, and he caddied for them. He's carrying their bags and stuff. That's just, so he's he's a good person. He's a good father. He's fun to root for. Um, in Philadelphia Phillies fashion, he's wearing the Sunday cream color. Uh, so he gets it, obviously. But really, this is kind of going to show for me that 2022 wasn't a fluke, no? Like, he's he can seriously win on tour now. Yeah, I mean, he pieced it together like we saw. And like you said, he had all the intangibles prior to getting his first win. It was everything upstairs in his head that mm-hmm. he needed to get figured out. And it wasn't even like there was something wrong. It was just learn how to win. And he knows how to win now. And it's very obvious because five wins since 2021, you said? Five wins since 2021, yeah. That's a good stat. I mean, most people expect to win zero times a year. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, their goal is to win at least once or twice during the course of a year. But the odds of you winning every year is just not that great unless you're one of these top guys like Rom and Scheffler and Rory and stuff like that. Um, Tony is now one of those guys, though. So we should be expecting to see him win tournaments. Yeah, and you bring up a fantastic point about how if you don't win in a PGA season, you can still be a top 25, even a top 20 guy. Based off of your finishes, you know, you, just because you didn't win doesn't mean you're not a higher quality golfer that you're in that upper echelon of what golfers are. I mean, Kevin Kisner, for uh, for an example, he's top 40 in the world, 
And I don't think he's won a solo event since 2019. Yeah, I'm not sure when the the last time he won a solo event was. So, like, it's one of those things where you can still be considered a great golfer and not win. But you're kind of in this different tier when you win with regularity. And five times in three years, there are guys begging for that kind of performance, you know? I feel like we sometimes we get lost in the stats of like a Scotty Scheffler or a John Rahm or, you know, like we're like, Oh yeah. Winning's pretty easy when you're, when you're that good. It is. Yes. But when you're a guy like Tony Finau who has those, those skills and has that kind of swing and can do it. You, you haven't been talked about in this kind of space, you know, like this is the first time that we're kind of taking a step back and being like five wins in three years is pretty damn good. Yeah by by a wide margin so looking at it right now do you think anything changed for tony finau or do you think that it was just like you brought the good uh, the good point of it's all all in his head let's not forget what we kind of learned from the full swing documentary about his family his entire family traveling with him all the time prior to the 2022 season where he started to get wins Last year he won three times again. Like I said earlier, back to back in uh, in the summer of last year, and that kind of coincided with. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to think about the like talk about this negatively, but it, it coincided with this kind of separation from his entire family traveling with him, and him being able to kind of separate the family from his profession. You know. Yeah. So, uh, do you think anything changed about the way he went about his business that? kind of opened up this brand new avenue for him of winning? Um, honestly, no, I, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's as simple as you just have to learn how to win. And then from there, it's just knowing that you have the capability of doing it. Confidence can take you so far, especially in a game like golf. Like think about when you go out on Saturdays and Sundays with your friends, like how much better you play when you're playing confident. You sink a 20 foot putt, your next drive, might be crap you might you might shank it but after that you're playing with confidence still because you're like i just made that putt back there i was just excited and that's why my shot's off let me get this right now and then like you go out and you par the hole or you 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 have a good bogey something like that um just having that confidence out there is plenty when you have the intangibles Mm -hmm. like being being a really good golfer yeah, and and we we've talked about this before on on the podcast that the margin between these golfers is so very thin. So They're thin. all incredible at what they do. They all have beautiful swings. They all can make par birdie pretty much automatically whenever they decide to do it mentally. That's the key. Whenever they decide to do it mentally, right? There's there is a pretty thin margin from Tony Finau to the guy who's in 114th on the PGA tour right now, whoever that is, I don't know their name. Um, But the difference right now is that a guy like Tony Finau knows how to win. He's playing with confidence. He's being talked about in this upper echelon of golfers. He's fourth on the FedEx cup right now. And he's 11th ranked in the world. He's almost cracked in the top 10. I could definitely see him being in the top 10 by season's end. So with that in mind, with season's end in mind, and we're only one major into this year, do we think within the next two years, Tony Finau could win a major? And what major do you think he could win? Within the next two years, I could definitely see him making that happen. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it would be next year because I think he's still kind of building. Because um, as much as as much as there's a jump on learning how to win on the PGA Tour, there's even more of a jump on learning how to win a major. And as as great as it is for Tony that he has five wins right now, they're not at like any really like prestigious tournaments. Like I think his most prestigious is like the 3M right now, which is a good tournament, mm-hmm. but it's not like the players. Like it's not like one of these like higher up events, one of these highly televised, highly watched events. So I think he needs to like keep building where he's at. And I think by next year, I I can see him winning like a US Open maybe next year. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and, and you, you are right. Like the tournaments that he's winning are not like, oh my God, this is career make a career making win like the players or like any of the TPC courses or something like that. But he's winning good tournaments. The three M's a good tournament. The rocket mortgages is a, is a good tournament. Like he's winning these, uh, you know, the Houston opens a good tournament. The, the he's winning tournaments that do kind of like matter mentally to people that like follow golf, but yeah. they're not like those big with like the BMW championship or like the, the Charles Schwab challenge stuff like that. He's not winning those, but he's winning good tournaments. And I agree with you. I think he could definitely in the next two years make a major happen. When you look at the numbers, there's one major that sticks out um, pretty, pretty drastically on the other ones. And that's the open over there across the pond. Um, in his career, he's played the Open uh, every year since 2016. Since 2016, he's been T18, T27, T9, solo third, T15. Not bad. Yeah, he's for for a majority of those, he's been top 25. And there's a T9, the solo third uh, thrown in there, and that kind of makes sense for his game, right? He he is a long shooter. Um, he does have the ability to putt really well when he when he's, he's on his game. So when the course is long and wide open, that kind of helps a guy like Tony Finau uh, find success. So I could definitely see him winning a major in the next two years, and I think it would be the open uh, across the across the pond there. I think that kind of uh, plays to his game a bit more, and he's playing with confidence right now, which is even better. Now, one more point about Tony Finau because I, I feel like I feel like we'd we'd be a miss if we didn't bring this up. Not only did he win, but he won by three strokes over John Rahm, who consensusly right now is the best player in the world. Um, while he was in the same group as John Rahm. Now, when he was going through that large stretch of second place finishes, we talked about um, at, at those times, was it the pressure of the people he was, he was going up against in the same group? I don't I can't think of any more pressure other than maybe playing with Tiger Woods yeah. than staring John Rahm in the in the eyes every time that you go to take a golf shot. You know, like that is a knee knocker right there. That could that could crumble pretty much anybody on tour. And it didn't even phase Tony Finau as he beats him by three strokes. How how much confidence do you think that gives somebody that not only did you win the tournament? but you did it while the best player in the world right now is in your group and you beat him by three strokes. Yeah. I think, I think it, it's a lot, it adds a lot of confidence because you beat Like you said, you beat him by three strokes, but I think what's more important is the fact that he beat him on Sunday specifically. 
he shot five under, Rob shot four under. The fact that he was able to even shoot better than him on Sunday, it wasn't like a holding on by the last straw kind of thing to win the tournament. It was like a, no, this is mine. You're not mm-hmm. taking this from me. Like, I don't care how you play today. I'm just going to be better than you no matter what. Right. I think that's more important than just the three strokes. Obviously, three strokes is amazing, and it's, it's actually a lot, like, as far as winning a golf tournament goes. But I think I think it should be talked about more the fact that he was just like, you know what? You shoot four under, I'm shooting five under. Anything you can do, I can do better. That's what's happening right now. Let's go. And I think it's really, really good for him because this is, like, the first time, like, that we've seen him do something like this. Take on the number one in the world on a Sunday and just play better than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of situations where the winner of a golf tournament didn't win Sunday. Uh, and, you know, for, for those of you who kind of confused as to what that means is they didn't have the best score on Sunday. They didn't beat the people around them on Sunday. They kind of carried on the coattails of the performance that they had the three days prior. That happens a lot more on the PGA Tour than people would think. Now, what Tony Finau did is he beat the guy that he had to beat on Sunday. You separate all three of the days before Tony Finau still beats John Rahm in that moment. Yeah. Which is huge. Rick brings up a fantastic point. That is massive that he was able to actually beat him on Sunday instead of just letting what he did the rest of that tournament carry him. Cause yeah, John Rahm could have beaten him by three strokes and or, um, by two strokes on Sunday. And Tony Finau would have still won right yeah. in technicalities. He would have won by one stroke, but Tony Finau was able to do it and beat him on Sunday. I think that that's something that's a a fantastic takeaway um, from what he was able to do in that tournament. So obviously congratulations to Tony Finau, a guy I will eternally root for because he's just easy to do so. And I really think that we could see a major out of him sometime in the, in the near future. I would, I would say Uh, speaking of majors though, a major birthday is in order last Saturday, JT Justin Thomas turned the big 30, the big 3-0. Um, so we, at this age, kind of almost in any sport, is time where you take stock in the career they've had, where they're going, et cetera. Now, obviously, when it comes to golf, you can play eternally. Uh, professionally, you can usually play into your mid-40s, even late 40s if you're, if you're that good. Yeah. Um, and some would consider Justin Thomas to be that good. Now, he did an interview with uh, Golf Magazine where uh, he said some – he had some – Bold quotes, uh, it, uh, two of them here uh, as they read, quote, having two majors is great, but I want five. Uh, 15 career uh, wins is great, but I want 30. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's reality. I love that mentality. That's awesome. I, I love that he has that energy. Like he's got the two career majors. He's got 15 career wins. He wants to double everything. He wants to keep going. He wants to keep winning. Rick, I got to ask you. Where do you, let's just say in the next, um, I don't want to say the next decade because so much could happen in the next decade. In the next five years, what do you think his numbers look like? Does he get another major? Let's re- let's not remember those two major wins are both PGA championships. So he's nowhere close to the career Grand Slam. Uh, he has 15 career wins, but he's been playing for, I think, I think he's been playing for like 12, 13 years on tour. Something I'm like not that. 100% sure how long, how long he's been on tour. I personally think in the next five years, we can expect one more major and probably five to seven more wins on top of that. Because mm-hmm. um, he's shown 
in recent history that he's still a really good golfer. Uh, it just doesn't always fall into place for him. Mm. And I think we can maybe even within the next year or two expect a stretch like uh, like Scotty had or even like Cantlay had through the mm-hmm. FedEx Cup two yeah. years ago. Like even something like that, I think we can expect that probably within the next few years. And I don't think that we should be shocked if it happens because he's still a really good golfer. He's been in contention for majors recently. Again, pieces just don't fall into place all the time. Can't win them all. Right. Uh, so I think he could definitely do it. I think he. I don't think he's going to get to five and thirty necessarily. Right. But I can. I can definitely see him in the next few years anyway, getting to at least three and like twenty-two, twenty-three. Yeah, I think with the trajectory that his career has been on. Pretty bold to be like, I, I'm going to get 30 wins and five majors by the end of my career. Um, I completely agree with you. I think a, a win per year clip at the next five years, I think, is something that is totally doable. Now, if that's how it breaks down, if it's a year, uh, every year he gets one win, I don't think so. I think I agree with what, what you said. I think he goes on this weird tear for a couple months where he gets like three wins yeah. in the span of like six months or something like that. And that's why I think... He's either going to get one major in the next five years or he's going to win the FedEx Cup. Yeah. I think either of those two things happen. I don't think both happen. Okay. Um, so I, I really think that he's either going to get another major or he's going to end up winning a FedEx Cup championship. Because, look, people didn't think that Rory was going to win a FedEx Cup championship last year, and he came out of nowhere, dominated, yeah. and ended up winning the FedEx Cup, right? It really matters as to when you get hot in a golf year. And uh, if Justin Thomas can can pack together a couple wins like we like we're kind of um, kind of talking about right now, if like he packs together three wins in a, in a summer or something like that, I could definitely see him winning a FedEx Cup. Uh, all all things uh, to be there, so definitely lofty goals from JT there. I kind of like that he he has those ideas though because especially right now in 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 his career he's it's not that he's old by any means he's 30 but it, you start to kind of take stock of where you are and what kind of legacy you want to have uh-huh. and you know you, you saw what Rory did last year you see what he's doing while like being this the figurehead of the PGA Tour and Justin Thomas has kind of seemed to be in the shadows a little bit um so where do you think he goes from here as far as let's just say as far as his legacy with the PGA, like does he become a larger figure for the tour? Like Rory, do you think that he joins Rory and tiger kind of being this, uh, this leader of sorts in the clubhouse uh, amongst the guys and doing new things to help the PGA tour? I don't think so. I think he's more of a lead by example kind of person Mm -hmm. as opposed to a lead by words or speeches kind of person. Um, and it's not that he's not good with his words. I just don't know that, like, I, I don't know that you want him necessarily being the, the figurehead for what you're moving forward doing. Right. Um, I think he might have a bigger impact on the whole uh, Tiger thing that, the, that he's setting up, uh, just because he's friends with Tiger, mm. than he will on the PGA Tour as a whole. Right, and I 100% would agree with you there, and I think... Him and Jordan Spieth uh, should be the lead by example guys, yeah. um, because a they're they're close buddies, 
Um, but also like the way that they go about their business is usually pretty quiet and collected. They're not usually very vocal about things yeah. like, like Rory is Rory's got no problem with being the vocal guy. He's done that for, for most of his career. Um, JT and Jordan like aren't those guys, but when they're playing really good golf, everybody knows about it and it's exciting oh. to watch. You know, yeah. I'll just, I'll just point to the example of the Ryder cup when those two were, were uh, a pairing that was electric. That was an electric yeah. factory. Those two provided maybe some of the most entertaining golf that I've watched in quite some time. And I think that that's the way that they should go about it. And I think that the PGA Tour should lean into it. You know, not everybody on tour is going to be your, I'm going to sit down, have a media conference and, you know, attack this head on type of deal. Some of these guys are trying to better the PGA Tour just by being better themselves. And I think that that should be highlighted by the PGA Tour. I think much like, and you know, this comparison might be weird, but if you, you know, for people that get it, they'll understand what I'm saying. I think somewhere where the PGA Tour and Major League Baseball miss is not leaning into the athletes and their, and kind of promoting them, personalities. you know, their personalities, promoting who they are, how they go about their business, how they win golf tournaments in comparison to how other uh, players win golf tournaments. The full swing um, docu-series was a perfect uh, start. Uh-huh. Now they got to like help themselves in their social media, you know, platform. Yeah. So that is something that I think I could see Justin Thomas being a bit more involved in is being the the guy that doesn't have to speak it in uh, at all, but can show it in the way that he goes about his business, which I think is, uh, which I think is, uh, should be respected as much as what Rory and Tiger are doing. Um, I agree. Whether he does it. All righty, to keep moving forward here. I, look, we, we don't like talking about the live tour too much but this one's got to be talked about taylor yeah. gooch a guy that we've never had a problem with uh he went over there to to make his make his bread guaranteed which we totally understand however at this point buddy maybe you didn't need to uh taylor gooch uh the 31 year old um who went to the live tour just won back-to-back live competitions and has made eight million dollars in eight days um and that's not including the team win that he had in one of those tournaments and his guaranteed contract money. The 8 million he just won is aside from those two things. That's just from winning twice, $8 yeah. million dollars in eight days. Rick, what would you do if you just made $8 million in eight days? What, what, what are you doing with that? Oh my gosh. Uh, so much. Yeah. I don't even know. Cause like, I want to say I would invest, but I don't know how to invest. So maybe I'll hire someone to invest for me. I mean, you had the money to do it. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, definitely paying off my mortgage. 100%. For sure getting, like, a super cool, like, toy. I don't know what, though. I mean, you have to, right? Like, Yeah, I don't really know what, what I would get, but I'd get something. I can't fly a helicopter, but I'd like to purchase one, you know? I would like to just have a helicopter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What would you, what would you do? Definitely pay off the mortgage. Isn't it crazy to think about how like your mortgage in it like in it would not impact eight million dollars at all? Yeah, it makes me sad. It would just be seven point something million. Yeah. Like it's barely even puts a dent into eight million dollars, which is so depressing. But uh yeah, I guess I would invest it. Definitely would like debate getting a full blown like golf simulator in the house somewhere i don't know where i'd put it maybe yeah, i don't think i'd be much. able to i don't think my ceilings are high enough but that'd be pretty cool i might just like 
I might just like make my house awesome. Yeah, right. Like totally deck out the house from uh, one end to one end, right? Like that yeah. would just be oh. Just make um, everything Alexa so I could be like Iron Man. Yes, your whole house is automated and it sounds like Jarvis. Yeah. You'd have to, right? And then, well, I've always said that if I won the lottery, the first thing I would get would be a fully functioning Iron Man suit. I don't know if $8 million is going to cover that, though. I might need some more money. Yeah, I I don't know if $8 million gets that done for you. That sounds like a $10 plus million dollar project. Yeah, I'm going to need I'm gonna need some more money. And imagine yeah. explaining to, to Gina that you made $8 million and spent it all at once on a fully functional Iron Man suit. Can you be mad about that? I don't know. I really don't know. Is that something you can be mad about? I don't know if you can. <laughs> uh, okay, so two points here. Uh, made $8 million. Uh, point two, before you get too excited, I spent it all. Fully functional <laughs> Iron Man suit. Right? It even has right? It even has the pee filter. Exactly. exactly. You can drink that water. It's fully-, <laughs> it's fully filtered. Here's the thing, right? I don't think you can, can get mad about it because... You spent it all, sure, but it's not like you're at that point. Your life has just not changed at all. Yeah, except for I have you, an Iron Man suit. It's just now you have a fully functional <laughs> Iron Man suit. Except for now, I can fly wherever I want at any time. So. <laughs> Which you know is is that better than doing anything else? I think so. The fact that you you don't have to pay for an airline ticket ever again. Exactly, think about the money you'll save there. If I'm just if I wake up one day and I'm like I want some Chicago style pizza, I'm just gonna go get some Chicago style pizza. I'm just flying to Chicago. I'll be there in ten minutes. And I'm then, going okay. to Gazolas. That's just happening. Gazolas. <laughs> my question is: Is the Iron Man suit like is that jet fuel? How is that powered? The it's powered by the arc reactor. Yeah, but for you, like you don't have an arc reactor in your chest. That's what my money's going for. So someone can make an arc reactor. Oh, so is most of that money going to the arc reactor? The rest is just kind of like bits and pieces? Well, that's basically what, what it is. It's all all the money goes goes into finding a sustainable fuel source that doesn't need to be plugged in anywhere. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think I about mean, the, the rest of it that... is just the rest of it is just metal and computer. Really, yeah. Like that's you're the not, rest of it, really. It's just how do you power that? Yeah, and you're not using like anything that's impossible to code, right? Somebody's done it before. Yeah, um, and you're not using it for military grade warfare, right? So you don't need to get like reinforced steel or anything of that nature. Well, no, I would still need that though, just in case. Well, what do you mean, just in case? What do you? What do you? <laughs> do you plan on fighting in wars with this? Well, no, but like. Like, if I'm flying and someone thinks I'm a threat, then they might try to shoot me down. Where are you flying? They might think I'm a Chinese spy. A threat. I, I don't know. There was a balloon flying over, like, Iowa or something, and they were like, it must be Chinese, and then they shot it down. So, like, I can't be flying over. So just don't over fly over Iowa, Iowa man. <laughs> it's not that hard. Just avoid Iowa. And maybe also avoid Chicago, since we were talking about it. a lot of crime in that city. I don't know if I'd go in there in a suit. That's maybe made just, a million dollars. I'll just be Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's the suit you should maybe get. Maybe I'll just rename Chicago Gotham and then be Batman. With the, with my eight million dollars, I'm gonna buy the city of Chicago, rename it Gotham, and, and then, then be, be Batman. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I think you nailed it. 
I think that <laughs> I think that's what you want to do with eight million dollars. You want to recreate Gotham, one of the most crime ridden cities in all of fictional cities. So that's I'm not that, wearing yeah. <laughs> where are the other drugs going? <laughs> 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 oh man that came off the rails anyways Hardcore. yeah taylor gooch eight million dollars eight days if you are someone like taylor gooch in this moment are you regretting your decision to go over there no i just made eight million dollars in eight days yeah <laughs> yeah you, See, win, like... you win back-to-back weeks on the pga tour you make two million dollars i'm not yeah. regretting it at all <laughs> yeah not only has he i mean he's quadrupled the money that you would win going back to back on a PGA tour that see that is so wild to me because you want to you want to think that these guys are over there winning and they're like oh I could have kept winning on the PGA tour blah 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 Taylor Gooch is currently just raking money in and he's like I think I've made the greatest monetary decision of my life 100% and like the the whole idea of they'll regret it because of their legacy I'm not sure if half of these guys are really caring about that anymore once they see these these money totals, you know? There's no way. I mean, especially when you're a guy like Taylor Gooch, who was never number one in the world. He was never really, like, talked about as frequently as some of these guys. Like, it, I don't think he regrets it at all. I think he thinks this is the best decision he's ever made. Yeah, I. It, it's really crazy to me that we're in this point where, you know, the live tour clearly isn't going anywhere. We've just had the masters. Where was the meeting of the live tour and the PGA players and the live tour players held up. It's not like they seemed out of sync at all. We're looking at a real, like it could really be a live versus PGA tour thing for years and years to come. I saw this talked about on Twitter the other day, and I wanted to bring it up to you. Would you watch a live tour versus PGA tour Ryder cup style tournament. Probably. Yeah. I would so watch that. Right. I probably would, yeah. I don't know why I would like you're, it just, it sounds exciting because yeah. it remember back before the NFL merged, it was the national football league and the American football league. Yeah. And they would just play each other. Yeah. In what would be considered the world championship, and then they thought we make more money if we just partner together, et cetera, et cetera. But this you is something take that could away all credibility that the Eagles have right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's let's take, let's take all of that away and merge. Let's make them start from zero. <laughs> um, the nineteen sixty world championship didn't fucking happen. No one cares anymore. Um, yeah, it's. I think that would be something that would be super cool. But do you think that the PGA Tour would be on board? No, not even close because it, they can't lose. They so can't hard. lose that, yeah. and you can't win them all. Like we just said, you can't win them all, and the PGA Tour would not be able to lose that. They yeah. The PGA Tour was probably shitting themselves oh, when Brooks yeah. Kepka was leading the Masters. Uh-huh. They were scrambling. It was like SpongeBob's brain when he's trying to remember his name. That was the PGA <laughs> Tour. Man, what is the guy? That was the PGA Tour office when Brooks Kepka was winning. On um, fire, yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Also, I, I did want to bring this up real quick because I love mind-blowing stats like this. You know how much money Taylor Gooch made on the PGA Tour in his uh, eight-year career? Because he got he turned pro in 2014. I want to say, like, less than $2 million. No, it was more than that. It was more than that. Okay. Uh, 
3.2 million. Okay, you're lowballing it real bad right now. He made he made 9.2 million. 9.25 million. Oh, good for him. Over eight years on the PGA tour. Two and weekends. He just made. Two weekends. He made the same amount of money. That is so crazy. <laughs> He's made his career's worth of, or almost his career's worth of money on the PGA Tour in eight days. So if you think he's regretting his decision even a little bit, you're wrong. There's yeah. no way. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way any sane person is like, man, I should have stayed on the PGA Tour right now. Yeah, there's just absolutely no way that he's regretting his choice here, which is an interesting, interesting little wrinkle in this whole idea of do the live players regret their move over there definitely something that we're going to keep uh kind of keep uh in in check here as uh time moves forward about how that kind of uh conversation that we were having around the masters transpires moving forward uh-huh. um all righty well we got golf this upcoming weekend we have the wells fargo championship we're seeing a lot of the big names come back here um since the masters uh pretty much everybody's playing now and we have a top five power rankings. Rick, you know the deal. I'm gonna name you five players in no specific order. You try to order them. Are you ready? I am ready. All righty. Rory McElroy, Max Homa, Jason Day, Victor Hovland, and Xander Shoffley. That's a good one. I know. That's a, that's a that's a nice top five there. That's a good list. Let's go with. Max Homa five. Who was the one in the middle? Uh, Jason Day. Jason Day. Okay, so I'll go Max Homa five, Jason Day four, Xander Shoffley three. Who's the other one besides Rory? Homa. I'll go Rory two, Homa one. Ooh, I like your top five. It's not correct, but I like your top five. Yeah. Okay. Um, you nailed Xander Shoffley right there in the middle, pretty much where everybody puts him all the time. Uh, I think you'll be surprised by who number one here is. So let's go it's through Jason them. Day. It's Jason Day. What? I know. Uh, we'll start at the top here, though. Number five, Victor Hovland. Um, because John Rahm is resting, the Norwegian is the field's leader in all-around ranking. Hovland remains among the best tee to green, and he hasn't missed a cut in a non-major in the United States in almost 15 months. T3 in his only previous trip to Quail Hollow. He hasn't missed a cut in 15 months in a non-major. That's insane. That is such a low-key stat there. Yeah. Not missing one cut in a in almost a year and a half when it's a wow. non-major event. <laughs> like Scotty Scheffler has missed cuts. Yeah. John Rahm has missed cuts. Recent. Not Victor Hovland. <laughs> that, Nor- that Norwegian does not miss Sundays. He's playing, whether you like it or not. That you're t- that that guy has gotten a paycheck every golf week for 15 months. Yeah. That's insanity. He's fine. He's living okay. He's, he's not living as good as Taylor Gooch right now, but he's living okay. No, but he's living all right. That's for sure. He's living all right. <laughs> um, number four, Rory McElroy, all the way to number four. Uh, Quail Hollow might be exactly what the swing doctor ordered after missing the cut in the last two stroke play contests. Yeah, Rory McElroy missed cuts, not Victor Hovland. Um, thrice a winner at Quail. I love it when he uses. Love, the- I love it when he uses the word. Every thrice. time he uses it, it, it gets me. Immediately makes me think of Chowder. Damn it! Every time, thrice a winner at Quail Hollow, 2010, 2015, 2021. And nine top 20s and 10 tournament appearances, longest off the T on tour and second in strokes gained T to green. 
You're telling me we're putting him at four and he's won at this exact course three times in his career? Makes sense. I feel like... Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. You know, right when we want to like you, Rob, because you use the word thrice, you put a guy that's won at this course three times in the four spot. We have to use our brain here. In his defense, the standards of using the word thrice makes us like you. <laughs> Look, we can't help it, okay? This is just who we are, all right? You use the word thrice. You clearly are a man of class and taste, and we have to respect it. I, I have no other follow-up questions. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy that he's won there three times in the last 10 years and is not the number one here. That's wild. Um, number three, though, Xander Shoffley. Despite no wins this season, he's managed to retain his spot inside the top five of the official world golf ranking. He possesses a game well-rounded enough to be in position to pounce every time out. T19, T5, T10, fourth, T4 in his last five starts, went 3-1-0 and in the President's Cup. I don't know why we're bringing that up. I feel like he was just... He was just spitballing Xander Shoffley stats here. Not even like, like, yeah, those are his last five starts. That has nothing to do with this course. And yeah, he went 3-1-0 in the President's Cup. I get that it was at Quail Hollow. I get that. But that that's a totally different environment. Yeah. Totally different bit. atmosphere. A little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I digress. Uh, number two, another guy that we love to follow here on this podcast, Max Homa. He's the defending champion, just not at Quail Hollow. But he did prevail here in 2019. He was, it was his first PGA Tour title. He's tacked on another five since then, including two since the last Wells Fargo. Uh, when he re- uh, when he returned to Quail Hollow for the President's Cup, he went 4-0-0. Now forget that. Shutout performance for Max Homa. Some would say the savior of America. I'm just saying. <laughs> some, some is me. but Some is me and maybe only me, but I will not be judged for it. Um, and number one, this one shocks me the most, Jason Day. Uh, when Quail Hollow first hosted the Wells Fargo Championship as a par 71 in 2018, he was the only golfer to hang up four sub-70s. He won by two. That piggybacked a T9 in the 2017 PGA Championship. It's been a long time since both successes, but he's reconnected with some similar form this season. I, look. Jason Day was really exciting back in 2017, 2018. Very exciting golfer to watch. Since then, yeah, not so much. Definitely would rather watch Rory. Yeah, not <laughs> so much. So this one kind of surprises me a little bit, uh, him being number one here. But look, Rob, if you're going to start thinking outside the box, I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. all right with this. We can do yeah, this. I'm not going to hate. I mean, I still I still like the guys in the top five. I don't necessarily agree with the order, but at least we right. don't have like uh, – Yeah, I was gonna say you could you could do this, buddy. I believe you. Single one of them just gone out of my brain right now. I can't name I can't name anyone right now. Well, you know what's funny is is sometimes just golfers that your brain will pick out of nowhere that like make those like you could have just said Ricky Fowler and it's like I mean that makes I could have but that name wasn't anywhere close (laughs) to my head. Like literally, the only names I could think of were Scotty Scheffler. That was it. And I was like, well, that's not a good example. Yeah, it's not a good example <laughs> at all. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, 
an older guy who like still plays frequently, but for some reason my brain was just like, We're we're done. This is we're not working anymore. And I'm not it, really sure why. It is funny sometimes seeing the progression of how like when you know that you're near the end of the podcast, your brain just turns off before it's over. I've been I've been there before, brother. Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland. Just say Gary Woodland. Like if Gary Woodland was in the top five and Rory wasn't, then there'd be a problem. We'll get there. We'll get there. See, eventually, right? Yeah, it's just gotta give him time. Patience, people. Patience. Speaking of speaking of, actually speaking of patience makes no sense at all. Uh, besides, (laughs) um, the, the numbers. Numbers 10 to 6 on this list, you could have told me was the original top five, and I would have believed you. Uh, Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau, Matt Matt Fitzpatrick, Patrick Cantlay, Jordan Spieth. You could have told me that that was the top five. I would have believed you. See, now Matt, because Tony Finau just won. And he's nine. Nine on this list. Makes no sense. The disrespect for Tony is ridiculous. You're putting Jason Day in the number one spot? Thrice, Rory McIlroy. Thrice. And Tony's at nine. Thrice! Not sure how those are related. I just want to say thrice. (laughs) (laughs) What is this word? He's indefatigable. What what am I reading right now, Rob? What, is Rob using big dictionary words? Yeah, I'm copying and pasting into Google. A, I need to hear how it's pronounced. B, I need to know what it means. Because he's describing Tony Finau as it, and I swear to God, this is an insult, Rob. This is an insult. I'm throwing hands. <laughs> I gotta see what this is. Uh so it's. Uh, hold on, I gotta listen. Let me... Oh, oh. Indefatigable. Indefatigable. What? Yeah. Uh it uh, means uh, to persist tirelessly. He's a good trier. Really good at trying. That's what that means. Yeah. Rob's <laughs> out here just calling Tony Finau try hard. Rob, just... you want to catch these hands? No, no, he's not calling him a try hard. He's calling him a tryer. Tryer. I have a try hard. He's, been... <laughs> he's just trying. He's good at trying. <laughs> like if participation awards were given out on the PGA Tour, he'd have a lot of them because he he is the trier of the PGA Tour. I, he's, just the, he's just the tryingest trier to ever try. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? How do you pronounce that again? Indefatigable. Indefatigable. Oh my goodness. That's impressive. To persisting tirelessly. That's damn. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna be. We're gonna also <laughs> try. Okay. And you should too. I Listen, try just try. Just uh, persist tirelessly okay yeah b thank you rick i think you've summed it up in one very easy to pronounce and understand word i much appreciate (laughs) (laughs) as always people thank you so much for listening we appreciate it entirely again go check out our uh one of our sponsors shankatgolf.com check it out there uh when you go to the checkout use code ftt15 they got a bunch of cool stuff there and you get 15 percent off a checkout when you use our code uh helps you helps us helps everybody uh we get to bring you cooler content and you get cool stuff i really feel like it's a win-win for everybody you know yeah you've seen their stuff online all the time they're the 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 titties hat yeah, you've seen the titties like hat. That's them. Uh, yeah, that's... So if you want a titties hat, uh, I'm go- I'm 
I haven't ordered it yet, but I'm going to be ordering a one of their hats that says uh, "Legalized Mulligans." Yeah, I think that is relevant to golfers. They have that. They have uh, they have a glove with yeah the finger. The has, you uh, suck glove, my favorite. Suck, the you suck glove. Yeah, they got whatever you want. They got it. Uh, yeah. As far as fun and uh, modern golf attire. Mm. There, it's 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 golf stuff for the average amateur, the guy that goes out on Saturdays with his buddies, deletes a couple of beers, and shoots yeah. double on every hole. It's made for guys like us, and that is why they're one of our partners. So go check them out, and when you go to check out, use code FTT15 for 15% off your order. And again, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it every time you guys hit play on our episodes. And we out! Thanks, guys. See you later.